Hello and welcome into the mashup, your number one source for sports gaming and everything in between. I am your host, Jake Patterson, and this is the last show for the month of August 2022. Um, so I can't be the only one who felt like this year has absolutely flown by, uh, much like 2021 did. Like, I feel like... Like, I felt like Halo Infinite, like the multiplayer surprise dropped out of nowhere three months ago. No, it's it's been um it's been what, the dropped beginning of November, so it's been uh it's been nine months. A little over nine months, closer to ten at this point. You know. That's been nine months. Um I feel like for the wrestling fans, uh, I I mark this as a very clear division between 2020 and 2021. Uh, I feel like Double or Nothing 2021 was not that long ago. No, it was uh, 15 months ago. It was Memorial Day weekend last year. And uh, yeah. Like... 2022 has absolutely flown by compared to the snail's pace that was 2020. Like, even before Rona, like, the first four months, the first four days of 2020 felt like an entire year. Like, oh, Australia's on fire, we might go to war with Iran, and then a week later, Kobe Bryant died. That all happened within, like, the first two weeks No, it, it was longer than that, because that happened right before the Super Bowl, which is always in February. But still, that happened within, like, the first six weeks of the year. 2020 felt like five years. 2021 and 2022 combined have felt like six months. It was two years. It has felt like six months has passed the last two years. But that is not the point other than... 2022 has gone by insanely quickly. And uh, college football has already begun, technically, because you had a bunch of the Week Zero games. None of them were all that interesting, other than, like, the memes. The, the memes of Hawaii. Like, everyone who knows college football knows the Hawaii meme. Because... Games that are played in Hawaii, the time, like, I think the time difference between the East Coast and Hawaii is five hours. Like, what, uh, what, what what's, uh, what's Hawaii's time zone? Hawaii, Hawaii time zone. Yeah, it's GMT minus 10, which means it, that's five hours behind the East Coast. No, Hawaii is six hours behind New York. So, a game in Hawaii is kicking off at 7. It's kicking off at 1 a.m. on the East Coast. And it's become a meme because a lot of gamblers will bet on those Hawaii games to, like, set, to like either hopefully boost a good day or salvage a bad day. Because, like, you're falling asleep with college football, and it may fix your weekend before you wake up to go bet on NFL games on Sunday. Uh, 
well, they got actually absolutely shit stopped by Vanderbilt. They lost by 53 at home. But so um to everyone who took to everyone who took Hawaii I think the I think that game closed at Hawaii plus eight and a half is is what I believe that game uh that game closed at. Uh I am sorry. I mean that game was relatively close at halftime. It was it, at halftime the score was twenty one to ten. Hawaii didn't score for the rest of the game. Vanderbilt managed another 42 points. 35 of them in the third quarter. Now, do I think Vanderbilt is uh, is going to be good this year? No. So, um, yeah, no, I don't think Vanderbilt is is going to be good this year. But they they're still an SEC team who went and beat the snot out of Hawaii. Like the, the, the real first week, like the real first week is this week is this week. I think we, I think week zero is a dumb name. Got a couple decent, like lower end games out of it. Like UConn proved they still suck. Uh, UNLV had their turnover slot machine, despite the fact that they've won a grand total of 25 games in the past nine years. So, uh, that's cool. Like the last, so someone on my Twitter posted this, like they were last bowl eligible in 2013. I had just graduated high school. I had not started at Liberty yet. And uh, since that time, they have won a grand total of 25 games in nine years. When you play 12 a season, that's not good. <laughs> uh, North Carolina had a very funny scare against Florida A&M that just proves uh, you should absolutely bet the over in every single game North Carolina plays this year. Because looking at the rest of their, let's look at the rest of their schedule. Uh, App State. That's uh, that's this weekend. At App State. That is that is that is at Boone Pickens Stadium in Boone, North Carolina, up in the up in the mountains. Uh, at Georgia State, they are doing the Sun Belt road trip, aren't they? Home against Notre Dame, who is currently in the top five. Do I think they will become Week Four? Probably not, but they will still be ranked. Uh, home against Virginia Tech. Um, I'm going to be keeping my eye on that one. Solely because I, I want Virginia Tech to be good this year, but not good enough that it is guaranteed they will win when they come to Lynchburg in November. Uh, at Miami, at Duke. And then home against Pitt to round out October. Honestly, they got a pretty easy October. November at UVA, at Wake home against Georgia Tech, and home against NC State. I still don't know what to make of the Demon Deacons this year. They're currently ranked, but, like, it's Wake Forest. They're kind of like the ACC's Vanderbilt. Like, they're only there because they're a founding member. Like, administration-wise, their priorities are much different than the rest of the conference. And it's weird that them and Vanderbilt are exactly the same in that way. 
even more or less down to color scheme. Like the the colors for Wake Forest are slightly different, but it's still like black and a shade of goldish. Like Vanderbilt's gold is more definitively gold and Wake's is more of like a like a dark yellow. Like a dark metallic yellow, which is technically gold, like the red versus blue joke. There there's already a name for lightish red pink. Like there's already a name for metallic metallic yellow, it's gold. But like I actually I looking closer at their logo, I'd honestly call Wake Forest logo bronze. It's like black and bronze, and Vanderbilt's more definitively gold. But still, basically the same color scheme. In power conferences, despite their administrations not giving a single singular crap about athletics for essentially decades at this point, and they're only still in because they are founding legacy members of the of the SEC and ACC, respectively. Like maybe they'll be good this year. I don't know, but I, 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 I can't put my trust in anything Wake Forest when it comes to athletics and based on the fact that their first game is against VMI, like I can't say their non-conference doesn't impress me that much when they're playing VMI Vanderbilt and Liberty. Like I'd be shitting on my own team if I said, Oh yeah, Liberty's not a great game for them. I want Liberty to win that game. I think they have a good chance to win that game. I would certainly like Liberty to win that game, but like honestly, that game will be my measuring stick in in two weeks. Because they got VMI this weekend, they got Vanderbilt next weekend, and then they have they have VMI on Thursday actually, so they get nine days between playing v- playing what is essentially a cupcake game and VMI, and then going to Nashville to play basically their SEC counterpart in Vanderbilt before uh, coming back home to play Liberty before they, before they really get into ACC play. And their first ACC game is Clemson. So um, the ACC did them no favors, starting off with Clemson and Florida state who like Florida state wildly inconsistent, but the ACC really did wake no favors with the schedule this year. (laughs) Like Liberty is a good G5 team and then you have to come off of that which even if they win will be a hard fought game a week later you have to play Clemson have fun like they're both home games sure like that is that is a distinct a distinct benefit to Clemson that both of that probably two of the best games on their schedule this year are home games And that's that's not just my bias talking. The ACC is not a good football conference. <laughs> like, how the hell Pitt is ranked 17th, I will never know. Like, they weren't that good last year, and they had a first-round quarterback. Probably shouldn't have been a first-round. Like, first quarterback off the board in the draft last year. And they, they don't have him anymore. Like, I, I don't trust Pitt either. I don't know why they're top 20. I don't know why Wake Forest is just outside the top 20. But 
interesting Thursday slate. Uh, got some action in there for uh, for all the gamblers out there. Like, sure, Oklahoma State's favored by 21 and a half, but you, you could have some fun with that game. Another, uh, <laughs> that's an interesting one. Michigan State favored by 22 against Western Michigan in the the uh, the only top 25 game on Friday. And there's some, there's some other interesting games here and there, but the big one is obviously like last game Sunday, only game Monday. Only game Monday is not even that good. Like Georgia Tech, they're another, they're another like, how, why does Vanderbilt get the reputation of being like, oh yeah, we're only here because we're a legacy member. When the ACC has two of them, like the ACC has Wake Forest and Georgia Tech, like Georgia Tech is the same way. Not not as bad as Wake because they're in Georgia, so they have to put some effort in. But like Georgia Tech, I see them very much as an academic school. Like I see them as an academic power. I don't see them as an athletic power, <laughs> and I feel like. Them and Wake Forest are only there to pull up the athletic profile of the AC, the academic profile of the ACC, which is already pretty high, given the fact that Duke and UNC are Duke, UNC, and UVA are also all members, <laughs> and are like, you know, UNC and UVA, two of the top public universities in the country. Duke, one of the best in the world, but the big game. The big game is obviously Notre Dame versus Ohio State to to close out to uh to close out Saturday. Uh and like honestly like really kind of put a nice bow on Labor Day weekend. Cuz uh that Monday game uh I think Clemson's covering that 21 and a half line very easily. And that game is over before halftime. Like, sure, this game's at at Georgia Tech. Does not matter. Clemson's winning by at least 28. (laughs) But it, I would, I would make playoff predictions. It's just way too early. And a lot of talent from last year graduated. Like a lot of talent from last year graduated. I don't think I'm going to make playoff predictions until week three or week four. (laughs) Like, it will be a while before you are hearing CFP predictions from me. I mean, I can make assumptions that I assume some combination of Alabama, Ohio State, and Clemson will be there. Unless the three of them just have absolutely awful years. Like, I'm sure Alabama's got an incredibly easy non-conference schedule. Yeah, Utah State, Texas, Louisiana, Monroe. And who's there? Oh, yep. There's that, uh, there's that week 11 cupcake. Austin P. Before they, uh, before they play Auburn to, uh, to close out the regular season. Uh, right before Thanksgiving. Meanwhile, Liberty's playing Virginia Tech. Honestly, I kind of want to skip ahead to, skip ahead to that week. Let me let me skip ahead to uh let me skip ahead to week twelve and just look at all FBS. I know this is 
this is kind of just a general preview for the entire season. Let's see. Um, some good action on Tuesday, November 15th. Bowling Green and Toledo. Bowling Green versus Toledo and Ohio versus Ball State. Both of those kicking off at 7 p.m. That is peak action right there. A uh, decent Thursday game with SMU and Tulane if you like gambling. Uh, let's see. Notre Dame's playing Boston College. BYU is playing Utah Tech. Auburn's playing Western Kentucky. USC-UCLA is that weekend. Okay. Forget what I said. <laughs> Forget what I said about Liberty-Virginia Tech being the best game. Uh, USC-UCLA on uniform matchups alone. And the fact that um, the Pac-12 is going to try to screw both of these teams over all year. And now they're playing each other. I hope that turns into a Big Ten game. I hope that turns into just like the most Big Ten game ever. With like fullbacks and a crap ton of punting. Just to stick it to the Pac-12. It won't, but that would be really funny. Uh, Miami Clemson is that week. But A&M's playing UMass. That's an easy win for AM. Like, that's going to be an easy win for Liberty. Of course, that's going to be an easy win for AM. Utah, Oregon's kind of intriguing. But, yeah, Georgia, Kentucky's okay. Yeah, most. Ole Miss, Arkansas, eh, semi interesting. But, yeah, like, my, my red and blue bias is, is tinting this a little bit, but. Liberty Virginia Tech is one of the most interesting games of that weekend. <laughs> I'm uh I'm glad I'm glad that was scheduled when it was. Because I think that game will get some national eyeballs just because of the SEC's tradition of playing god awful teams the week before they play their rivals. But yeah, I am I am excited for this college football season. A, a decent amount of talent graduated last year, but this is the way of college football. Like you keep good players for at a maximum five years with, with the COVID year you get, you might get six, but um, got decent players who had a reputation for being decent, who had that COVID year are starting to graduate. I think guys who were, uh, I think only the sophomores from that year still have, like the sophomores and the freshmen from that year still have eligibility. And they're like just now starting to establish themselves as the guys. So uh, we'll, we'll see what that does. We'll see what that does. And I think a lot of the, uh, I didn't get to visit this school before I stepped foot on campus for the first time already enrolled. I think a lot of the, uh, oh, this place isn't the right fit for me transfers have kind of kicked in. So this is going to be a very interesting year for college football. And it's the last year of two teams in California playing in the Pac-12 before they joined the Big Ten. I am so excited for the absolute culture shock <laughs> that fans of these two schools that are not only both in California, but are both in Los Angeles <laughs> having to go to Madison, Wisconsin starting next season. <laughs> uh, 
enjoy being on the West Coast while you can, guys, because... Uh, <laughs> Ann Arbor, Michigan is not going to be kind to you. <laughs> God, that that's making me laugh all over again. This was announced like two months ago, and it's making me laugh all over again because of how hilarious it's going to be next season. But what do you guys think? Um, how do you think your teams are going to do this season? Uh, my prediction, I'll, I'll give you my prediction for Liberty. I've, I've held, I've held nine and three basically all off season. Like I've held, I've held nine and three as, uh, as the gate, as like the record for the entire year. Like, Se September has a very good chance to be a 4-0 month. I think it'll be 3-1, depending on how good Wake Forest truly is. Uh, Same thing with October. Decent chance to be a 4-0 month. Like, break it down. Uh, Southern Miss this weekend, I think that's a win. Liberty's a 3.5-point favorite. Uh, Homecoming for Hugh Freeze. Going back to where he got his first head coaching job, like, where he got his first college head coaching job, anyway. I, I think I think that'll be a win. Uh, at home against UAB, Liberty beat the crap out of them in Birmingham last year at the opening of their new stadium. Home opener at Williams Stadium. That's that's an easy win for Liberty. At Wake Forest is a toss-up. I think I think this is I do think Liberty might lose this one. Like, they're going to get a win against one of the power teams on their schedule. The power conference teams on their schedule. Of which there are three. I, And I feel like it's going to be Virginia Tech. Simply because that is the only home game of the three. They've already beaten Virginia Tech in Blacksburg. I know it was in 2020, but, like, it happened. And... Let's be honest, Virginia Tech does not have the best coach whose name I'm totally blanking on like i'm oh wait they have a they have a new coach brent pry because that was that was not the previous guy's name i forgot they uh, i forgot they changed coaches so that's gonna be that's gonna be an, that's obviously the most interesting game to me on the schedule like at old dominion i i think that's an easy win liberty is just better than old dominion like they came in they came in last year, uh, talked a lot of shit, and then got smoked. Uh, I think the same thing will happen. Like, they have talked a lot of shit about Liberty twice and gotten absolutely smoked both times. So uh, I don't think being in Norfolk will make much of a difference. Uh, at UMass, that is an easy win for Liberty. They are UMass is the worst team in the FBS. Um, that's going to, that game is a walk in the park for the flames. Even if it's in Amherst, easy win, uh, homecoming game against Gardner Webb. This, this used to be like the last time these two teams played, it was a hotly contested rivalry game. And like everyone in the big South was giving Liberty their best shot. Cause they knew we were leaving. Like, I remember this game. It came down to a blocked field goal. But this year, it's homecoming. That game will be over by halftime. Maybe early third quarter. 
Uh, home against BYU. Another interesting one. I kind of want to give Liberty the loss here, but at the same time, like BYU won't be as good as they've been in past years. And like, if Coastal can beat them at home, so can we. I think I think you'll get a I think you'll get a very good crowd for this one. It's right before it's the last game before Halloween. And it's the last game before a bye. Cause uh October 29th is also a Saturday, and yeah, Liberty does not have a game that week. Like last game before a bye, it's a home game. There's there's a lot of like Liberty history tied to this. And you're told this story the second you arrive on campus that like Dr. Falwell, senior, obviously, not not the other one, wanted Liberty to be for Christians what Notre Dame is for Catholics and BYU is for Mormons. And later, the um, the Jewish school, whose name I am unfortunately blanking on, what that school is for Jews was also added to the comparison, but point still stands like. It feels kind of right for Liberty to beat BYU in a football game. Like, it's like Notre Dame is the ultimate goal. It has always been the ultimate goal. Like, there are Liberty, there is Liberty produced content from a few years ago when they were still FCS talking about when they weren't even NCAA in the first game in 1973, which they lost. Dr. Falwell Sr. standing on the sideline of that game and saying, We're, this team is going to beat Notre Dame one day. Everything else that man predicted about what Liberty would become has come true. So I'm giving Liberty the win here. Mostly because of all of the history surrounding Liberty's relationship with BYU, exclusively on Liberty's side, but still. Very one-sided thing, but it's still... It, like, Liberty's going to make a big deal out of this game. They're going to make a huge deal out of this game. That game is going to be packed. And I'm here for it. Uh, then they got a bye week. They kick off November by going to Arkansas. I love you guys, but I think this is uh, loss number two. Possibly loss number three. Depending on how the uh, how the BYU game goes. The, the rest of October is a win. The rest of October, I, I'm... Like, I am basically guaranteeing wins in those three games. Arkansas, don't think they win that one. Arkansas's ranked. They're getting better. They're in the SEC. It'll be a good experience, but... And it won't be as bad as Auburn was a few years ago, but that's about all I can say about, about this particular game. I think that is a loss for Liberty. Then, a uh, much easier road game. A week later, Connecticut, that's a win. UConn sucks. <laughs> The last, the I feel like the scoreline will be very similar to the last two time, the last time these two teams played, but the scoreline will be flipped, where UConn won by like forty something points. <laughs> I think Liberty will win by forty something this time because Connecticut is still really bad; they're still recovering from the curse of Randy Etzel. Then, probably the biggest game in the history of Williams Stadium. <laughs> Liberty versus Virginia Tech the Saturday before Thanksgiving. I I I want to I said 9 and 3. 
But honestly, I've talked myself into 10 and 2. I, I, I can't, I cannot call this game a loss. Virginia Tech has gone down while Liberty has gone up. Like, give us the freaking Commonwealth Cup because we're going to beat Virginia Tech and they're probably going to lose to UVA. <laughs> they're probably going to lose to UVA a week later. Because UVA football has gotten significantly better and Virginia Tech football has gotten significantly worse. Like, move over, Turkey boys. We're the number two team in Virginia now. <laughs> And then close it out, senior day, home against New Mexico State. Uh, this was a rivalry game a few years ago. I think similar vibe. Um, this was a rivalry game a few years ago when Liberty first moved to FC FBS. Played them twice. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think they're now in the same boat as Gardner-Webb. Th this is now just senior day. Like, th this game will be... This game will be over by by like the early third quarter at the absolute latest. So there's my prediction for my team. I talked myself into 10 and two. I think nine and three is still more realistic, but I couldn't bring myself to predict a loss to Virginia tech two months out. Like when we get closer, I may say, Oh yeah, Virginia tech will win that game. But right now on August 29th, as I'm recording this, I can't in good, I can't say like, the most anticipated game in Liberty football history is a loss two months out from that game. Like I think we're going to win and I will probably go to that game thinking we will win because I want to go to that game. <laughs> like I'm probably going to buy tickets the second I get my paycheck on Friday. <laughs> but what do you guys think your teams are going to do this weekend, this weekend, this year and this weekend? How do you, how do you think their seasons will begin? Like I said, I think Liberty's kicks off with a win. I don't think they lose until week three. And, uh, yeah. What do you guys think? Let me know on Twitter, in the Discord. Links will be in the show description, as always. But uh, that's what I got for college football. Up next, switch gears, talk some League of Legends. It's coming up here on The Mashup. All right. Let's talk some League of Legends. Uh, it was... A pretty wild weekend for North America. Uh, the first three of the four playoff games this weekend ended in five games. The only one that didn't go five was uh, was uh, not the one I thought would only last four. Like I figured, uh, I figured FlyQuest TSM would uh actually no I figured FlyQuest TSM would would go five because they're both equally mediocre. I figured uh CLG Golden Guardians would be three out. And we didn't get a single three out. The only the only one that didn't go five still went four and it was Cloud9 EG. And in wa watching that CLG Golden Guardian series, it seemed like CLG just kind of forgot Got they were a good team and uh and forgot how to play from red side. <laughs> Cause in that series, blue side won every game. Blue side won all five games. <laughs> 
So, like, CLG just seem to forget they're good at League, and they can also win from red side. <laughs> like, I know blue side gets first pick in the draft, but, like... And it seems like blue always has an inherent advantage in League of Legends. I'm like, Matt Pat did a Game Theory video on this a few years ago, but, like, from player side perspective, you don't see blue and red. Like... You see blue as your team always. Whether you're playing red side or blue side, you see your team as blue. Or green, if you change your color settings. Like, you see your team as blue or green, and the enemy is red, whether you're playing from red side or blue side. Like, player side, it makes no difference. Yet it seems like blue side is so coveted by so many teams. Like, yeah, we want blue. Yet the the game the game's team liquid the game's team liquid won. They were they they were on red side. Like what? The the, the two games team liquid won in the the Liquid Hundred Thieves series that was almost a reverse sweep. Give me a freaking heart attack. A day later. Like Team Liquid won game three and game four from red because they they obviously picked red coming off the game two loss. They won because Bjergsen picked Zillion and no one expected that. And he freaking went off on Zillion. One of the best NA mid laners of all time, despite being from EU, I consider him an NA player because he's been here for most of his career. And like, he barely has an accent anymore. And I think he lives in LA full time. And I'm pretty sure his girlfriend, like I'm pretty sure his girlfriend's American. Like, and they've been together for a couple of years now, as far as I know. I could be totally pulling that one out of my ass, but I think that's true. Like, he's basically, like, I know he's not, but I, th I think he's a permanent resident of the U.S. Like, he's definitely got any residency. I think, I'm pretty sure he lives in L.A. full time. But that, that zillion pick came out of nowhere. Um... Hundred Thieves were shaken by that. Their game four draft was absolute dog water. Uh, they lost game four. It was really concerned about the reverse sweep. And then, um, and then Closer picked Lee Sin. <laughs> Closer picked Lee Sin. And Abadaga got Silas. <laughs> and then it was over. <laughs> and it was straight up over. Like, Oh yeah, they got their two comfort picks. Game over. Like the best junk, one of the best jungle mid duos in North America, got comfort picks for them, and then Clo Closer hard carried game five. Like Abadaga played really well too, but Closer is the reason Hundred Thieves won game five. Like zero doubt in my mind. Like Closer is the reason. 100 Thieves won game five. And therefore the series. And we're the first North American team to punch their ticket to Worlds. They haven't locked in a seed yet. That comes this weekend. If uh, if they can beat Cloud9, which I think they are capable of. Like, Liquid is better than Cloud9 this year. Like, I know they beat EG, but... Let's be honest, I still think EG is going to be the third... Uh, the third NA Worlds team. 
like EG is EG is still going to be our third world's team because they're like they're they're much better than TSM, and I think they're better than Liquid. They they've been better than Liquid all year, especially in Summer Split. I think they're better than Liquid. They're they're definitely better than TSM. Like, sorry TSM fans, the the few of you that still exist, like you're you're not making it to Worlds. You're certainly not making it past this weekend. <laughs> like you're not making it past this weekend, let alone making it to Worlds. But actually, actually that that's the same thing. <laughs> getting getting past this weekend would mean making it to Worlds because. Yeah, because uh, Sunday is uh, Sunday is yeah Sunday determines which team from losers bracket goes to Chicago, who's already in losers bracket. So yeah, um, I don't know who Evil Geniuses is going to be playing in in that series uh, this coming Sunday. I, I think it might be Liquid because I think. I think they are they are better than CLG when they want to be, and I think they're more clutch. They have more experience. They're, they're the older team, and you know they have Bjergsen, and I don't like picking against Bjergsen in the playoffs unless he is playing against a massively superior opponent. But then again, like Bwipo is still there. <laughs> But like it, it's hard to pick against Bjergsen and Core JJ. Like Core JJ is one of the best League of Legends players of all time, not just North America. Like worldwide, one of the best players ever. Like definitely one of the best supports ever. Completely redefined how the position is played. So it's it's hard to pick against him and Bjergsen in a playoff situation against. Um, like what's uh what's what's EG's current or CLG's current roster looking like? Jenkins, contracts, Palafox, Luger, and Poom. Yeah, this is this is basically just like most of this team is just guys who got cut from Hundred Thieves because Hundred Thieves found better players. Like they work together, but this is this is a team that is just guys who got cut from other teams that seem to mesh well together. It was good enough for fourth place, but that was, that was guys from teams. That was guys who got cut from other teams and meshed well together. Meanwhile, liquid core JJ, one of the best supports of all time. Santorin, one of the best junglers to ever play in NA. Whippo. Nah. Bjergsen mid lane and Hansama bot. That's a good team. And a lot of these guys have been playing together for a few years now. Mostly core JJ, mostly uh, core JJ Hansama and Santorin and Bjergsen's just one of the best players ever. So uh, one of the best NA players ever. So he can slot in with basically anybody. Like, and Bwipo, I still have a bad taste in my mouth with Whippo thanks to 2018 Worlds. Cause like Caps and Reckless didn't play all that great, but 
But Whippo felt like the guy who was making most of the mistakes. I know that was four years ago. And that was against a very, very good IG team. But like, you were on Fnatic at the time. You had Caps and Reckless with you. <laughs> and Broxa. Like, that that team should have done better in that final. And I, I kind of blame it on Bwipo. Even though it's not entirely his fault. Like, everyone played like garbage that series. But Bwipo shouldered a lot of the blame. And, like, even in the game, even in the game's Team Liquid 1, specifically game 4, like, he was getting owned by Someday. He was getting absolutely obliterated by Someday, even in game 4, which was a dominant win for Team Liquid. Or no, game 3 was a dominant Liquid win. Like, he got obliterated by Someday. Like, that game, that game was all Bjergsen and Core JJ. And and Hans Sama contributed a lot as well. Like that was that was the lower half of the map, not the top half. Not Whippo and Santorin. That game was all bottom side. And yeah, I, I consider mid part of bottom side. Depending on how you play, especially in that game, the way that team comp was built, like Bjergsen was more synergizing with bot lane than he was with, with top and jungle. But like, Whippo got owned by someday that game. It's just everyone else was super fed, and he was on Urgot, which, like, allowed him to go off. But this weekend, that Thursday game is much more... Like, the Thursday and Saturday games are much more interesting than the Friday game. Like, that is a 3-0 sweep for EG. <laughs> like, I have no problem predicting that I have zero problem predicting a three Oh sweep for EG in that EG TSM game team liquid CLG. I'm going to give that one to liquid. I'll go three one. Cause I think liquid are better than CLG. And I think they've really won another crack at a hundred thieves. If they get it remains to be seen, but they definitely won another crack at hundred thieves. Like the broadcast was saying, this that matchup is the best rivalry in the franchise era of the LCS, which is which is only four years, to be fair. But they've played each other in best of fives more than any other combination in the LCS. Like there's history between these two, and I'm sure they want another crack at them. And I would be okay with another Liquid Hundred Thieves final in uh in basically two weeks on uh, on the 11th, actually, which is slightly awkward, but hey, you know. I actually love the idea of sports happening on the 11th, but that is that is an entirely different conversation that is well beyond the scope of this podcast. <laughs> that, that is an area I try not to touch too often. So um, just know. I kind of like that September, September 11th falls on Sundays a lot. <laughs> Like, or at least feels like it falls on, feels like it falls on uh, sports days very often. Like big sports days, like almost always the, a lot of times the beginning, the first Sunday of the NFL season happens to fall on the 11th. Like I won't go beyond saying I like that 
I think it's, I think it's kind of poetic, but uh, yeah, that is an entirely different conversation, but actual predictions. I think, uh, I, I honestly think EG is going to be the third world's team. Like I think they're better than liquid. I, I mentioned that at the top of this segment. I think they are in fact better than liquid. And they're definitely better than TSM. Everyone else currently alive in the playoffs is better than TSM. You could change that matchup out for anybody else. TSM still loses. Like you could, you could create a situation where maybe EG, like if you swap TSM out for someone else, maybe EG doesn't win. But if you swap EG out for anyone else still alive, Team Liquid, CLG, Hundred Thieves, or Cloud Vine, TSM loses that series. No matter what, TSM loses. Like, this Friday is the end of the road for them. But I think Team Liquid beat CLG, EG beat TSM. I want to say 100 Thieves beat Cloud9 because I think they are better. And 100 Thieves have a tendency to play to the level of their competition. So when they're playing good teams, they remember to be a good League of Legends team. And, uh, and actually play like it, unlike when they play teams at the bottom of the standings, like, you know, Dignitas, or Immortals, or Golden Guardians, or heck, even TSM. Like, a team that can't really challenge them, basically anyone in the bottom five, they will play super slow, and it'll be really boring to watch, but they'll still win. That will not happen against Cloud9. And I don't think that'll happen against, I'll just put it out there now, evil geniuses in the finals in Chicago in two weeks. But we'll see how wrong I am next week. That's what I got for League of Legends. Up next, we'll uh, get into more of uh, some of the roster mania craziness of my two favorite FPSs. Because uh, honestly, like... There's not enough individually to talk about with both, so it'll be one big segment to end the show. We'll talk some CDL, and we'll talk some HCS, and just general Halo stuff, and general COD stuff, honestly. Coming up next, here on The Mashup. And now it's first-person shooter time. So, we'll start with COD, because, uh, uh, as much as I love Halo, COD's kind of the bigger game right now, so, uh, start with them, end it on Halo. Roster Mania. Still, um, really insane. Like, I thought, I thought last one was weird. It's like, oh, hey, Optic might blow up. And then a couple hours later, they re-signed, they re-signed both Dashy and Illy. It was like, oh, Illy's going to take a step back, let his, let his thumb heal, and he's going to be doing some coaching, but he's going to stay with Optic. Then that was not the case. Like, oh, Dashy stays up all night playing frickin' Valorant. And isn't really focusing on on COD or the team or any of this other stuff. And then they just decided, now nah, we're going to re-sign these guys. They let Prolute and Sender go. But, uh, it's like, yeah, we're, uh, we're just, we're just going to re-sign these guys and run it back. I don't know what the heck happened in those 24 hours when they decided to run it back, but they did. But then, this week, 
we got a couple, we got a couple other moves. The Minnesota Rocker announced their full roster. And uh three Brits, one American. Attach, Afro, Cami, and Bance. Which um let's be honest, it's a really gross team. I still can't believe Toronto let Cami walk and sign with and he ended up teaming with Bance again and signing with one of your biggest rivals. Like, how do you let that happen, Toronto? Watch Toronto and the rumors are Toronto's just gonna sign the guys who left Rocker. Like Toronto is uh who are the guys who left Rocker? It was um Frick. I totally I'm totally blanking on the guys who uh who left Rocker were. Oh yeah, they're gonna sign they're gonna sign like Standy. They're gonna sign like Standy and Havoc. Or Standy and Priesta. And and call up uh or they're going to sign, I think it was like, sign one of the guys and then call up Scrappy, which is also really gross. Like that, that, that could be a really gross team. If you, if they, uh, if they were to sign Standy, which would be really funny. Like Standy, the architect of the Rocker Resurrection, the MVP of that series, joins Toronto Ultra. <laughs> that would be really funny. It might not happen, but that would be really freaking funny if it did. I would start I would I would start cracking up laughing. Like I would kick off the next show after that roster move with laughing my ass off that that happened. <laughs> but of course, the the big one because obviously you have like big name legacy cod players moving and phase Basically, Arsides and Slasher just switched places. Like, they're both ARs. They both dabble in being IGL. It, like, let's be honest, Slasher's definitely going to have to be IGL now because uh, th- there's no way Celium is doing it. And if he if he did, he, I don't think he'd be very good at it. I mean, honestly, this past year, Arsides wasn't very good at it either because... Uh, he would talk massive amounts of shit in round five of a map two search. Like, the series is certainly not over, and neither is this map. You're up three two. Calm down. And for the love of God, man, shave that fucking beard. It looks awful. <laughs> that that is directed at Arceus, not at Slasher. Slasher's got a good beard. Arceus does not, because it it goes it goes way too far down his neck like you dude you you play a video game professionally don't like don't don't perpetuate the stereotype <laughs> but now he's joining LAG and slasher is joining phase the rest of the rosters are staying put with what they th- what we thought they would be when uh, the rumors were like oh yeah phase is going to run it back so we thought LAG coming into this year would be Slasher, Neptune, Hook, and Spart. It is now Arcee's Neptune, Hook, and Spart, which um, if if Hook gets back to his MW form, which I know was assisted with um, copious amounts of Adderall, 
this team could be good. If Spartan plays like he did at the Rocker Major, this team could be okay, but eh, I don't know. And like FaZe blew up, but they don't hate each other. Like Arceus does not hate the rest of this FaZe team. It's hilarious that his brother is still <laughs> their substitute. Like he hasn't left. The two of them have followed followed each other for their entire COD careers. Like, well, Pristini got lucky that uh, the rest of Huntsman didn't really vibe with Gunless. And and Gunless got dropped and he was able to replace him. Because he also was not all that happy on Mutineers, despite the best moment of his 2020 season happening with Mutineers, not with Huntsman. But, like, if Prestini sticks around with FaZe, this... This might be the first time that the two of them are separated for an entire season. Because, like, I know they kicked off the 2020 season on separate teams, but they uh, they didn't finish that way. They they ended the season as both starting members of the Huntsman roster, and then they both left the Huntsman at the end of the year before they became Optic Chicago. But yeah, I, I mean, this could just be my like anti-phase bias and the fact that I don't really like Arsides as a player that much. Like even when he was with Huntsman, I was like, I don't really like this guy. I, I like Scump and Formal a lot better. Like Huntsman were kind of my team in the 2020 season. 2020, I didn't really have a team. Like I was like kind of cheering for Huntsman because I like Scump and Formal. I was kind of cheering for Rocker because I thought their colors were cool. And I thought they were doing a good job like building a, a hometown fan base, which I still believe. I still think they're doing that. And that's that's why they have stayed kind of like my secondary team, even though Thieves are full on my number one. Now that they, you know, exist. But... It, it's fun to it's fun to sit back and just watch roster mania with a bucket of popcorn because you know your team's not changing anything like they might sign a new sub actually they probably should because uh they, they don't have one right now like the most interesting thing they could possibly do this offseason is pick up an entire academy challengers roster but that's it like that is the most interesting thieves thing thieves could do this offseason because I know they're sticking with Draza Kenny Octane Envoy. Like, they're sticking with the four that won them both a major and a world championship. Like, put extra... Like, there were three COD banners in the 100 Thieves Cash App compound coming into this season. There are now five. And there are two league banners. Or no, there's one league banner. There, there might be two... There, there might be two league banners in two weeks, but right now there are not. But yeah, there were... So all told, there were four banners in the 100 Thieves compound coming into this... Coming into the, the 2022 season of esports. There are now six. <laughs> both, both of the two new ones belong to LA Thieves. And that... Another new one could belong to the league team. They haven't played their championship yet, but, you know, still. They added two. Thieves are only... 
like the Thieves League team is only going to add one if they add one at all because they're not winning Worlds. The Valorant team might add one, but I, I doubt it. But yeah, uh, Roster Mania continues to be wild and unpredictable. Um, NYSL still suck as an org. So do Paris slash Vegas. Where it got out that they have a grand total of like seven employees. <laughs> Actually, not even that many. I think... I think they only have... I think they only have three. Because the... the org just absolutely refuses to spend money like cdl cdl managers uh what's that guy's name da uh what's the cdl commissioner's name cdl commissioner oh i was completely wrong it's joanna ferris <laughs> uh who who's that other guy then who's who's um Who's that other guy? Uh, Daniel Say. I always thought he was uh, he was commissioner. But to, to both of you, to both of you, if Paris slash Vegas suck again this year, force them to sell the team. Cloud9, Evil Geniuses, and Complexity are all right there. Like, none of your orgs are paying you franchise fees. So what is with your loyalty to this org that is dragging down the integrity of your game. Like, force them to sell. The league will be better for it. Because Evil Genius's complexity and Cloud9, or heck, Luminosity, no, no, wait, Luminosity's already Seattle Surge. Brain fart there. But that's three. And, like, T1, I'm sure, wants to buy in, but they would they would probably want Philly just to co-brand with Fusion. And I know you want Vegas, so... Like, EG, Complexity, C9. They're right there. Those are all legacy Call of Duty orcs who have had very good success. Like, consistent and considerable success in your game who missed out on the first round of CDL franchising. Make it up to them. Really make it up to all three of them and expand the league, but sell, sell the Paris slash Vegas spot to one of them. Give the other two expansion franchises and, and give, uh, give, give, give T1 and an expansion franchise. Like give, give T1 and NG2 expansion franchises. So, so uh, T1 can have a, a Philly CDL team, please. I, I'm not, I'm not giving up on that. I'm never, I'm never giving up on CDL Philadelphia. Like until it happens or the league folds, I'm not giving up on CDL Philadelphia. I'm just not. Like until it either happens or they abandon franchising. I'm genuinely not giving up on that. Just putting that out there. But that, that's enough, Cod. Let's uh, let's switch to Halo because HCS Orlando is in what three weeks? <laughs> I think. Let me check my computer calendar again. 
because it is it's uh September 22nd is when it begins, I believe. September 23rd. It starts on Friday. So uh yeah, that is that is 3 weeks. <laughs> it's 3 and a half weeks because it starts on the 23rd. It starts on Friday. But yeah, we're and I believe roster lock is this week. Like rosters lock this week. The tournament is in three weeks. And I am excited. I know a lot of the excitement for Halo has died down pretty quickly, but I don't really care. I still think Infinite's a good game. It's not a great game. It's not as good as three. It's not as good as Reach. But it's definitely the best game 343 has made. I know, again, not saying much, but... It's the best game outside of the Master Chief Collection that 343 has made. And really, the Master Chief Collection is only good because it's got five Bungie games in it. Because it's got every Bungie game in it now. Like, it's got the entire original trilogy plus ODST and Reach. Like, did, did, you really, did anyone really buy Master Chief Collection to play Halo 4 again? No, because Halo 4 was not that good. Halo 5 was even worse. Like, Infinite is a step in the right direction. And, we'll get to this in a second, Forge looks really freaking awesome. But let's talk about the actual esports scene first. And uh, one of the teams is already just completely blown up. FaZe. Partnered roster. They are no more. Well, I mean, they're still together. Like, They've, uh, who were they scrimming with? They were scrimming with, uh, they were scrimming with Nick as, as their fourth instead of, uh, instead of Snipe Down, which, like, I, I could have seen that coming a mile away. The, or initially, the rumor was he was just done playing competitive Halo, which, uh, he then denied on stream while playing Apex. Which is, you know, a little weird. And like the rumors are he's gonna he's gonna reteam with Nick. Uh obviously not Halo Nick, Nick Merckx, in in the ALGS, as obviously as part of FaZe. Or like indirectly part of FaZe, because I think FaZe does have an actual roster. <laughs> like I think I think they have an actual ALGS roster. Do do they have an actual do they have a, a do they have a, a current ALGS roster that is not Nick Marks? Uh let's see. CSGO, Atlanta Phase, Fortnite, PUBG, Rainbow Six, Valorant, PUBG Mobile, FIFA Online, Rocket League, Halo. They have a singular Smash Bros. Ultimate player. So yeah, they they don't actually have an ALGS team. I'm Kind of surprised by that. That seems like their game. But I guess I guess Nick Merckx is going to be the one to carry that banner with uh, whoever he ends up teaming with. Like, I was under the impression Snipedown still wanted to play Halo just based on uh, what he said after his dad died when he said, like, no, like, I, I thought about taking some time. He said he thought about taking time away, but he realized the the better option was to just, like, go all in on Halo and make his dad proud. And, like, I can absolutely respect that. 
And with roster lock being so soon, he might not get picked up for Orlando, but like he's also sniped down. He's one of the best Halo players ever. So I don't know. Like, I I don't know if he's, if he's gonna, if he's gonna do it or not. Like, I think someone will sign him. They, they'd kind of be dumb not to, unless they, like, they have their four they're confident with, and they want to ride into Orlando with, with the guys that, you know, qualified them to go to Orlando. But I could also see some just, like, tiny org who has a Halo team who didn't completely drop when they didn't get partnered, saying, hey, snipe down, come join us. Make it easier for us to get partnered the next time it comes around. We'll pay you way, we'll pay you way more than we would anyone else because you're sniped down. And we'll go win things. I, I kind of wish KCP was still a roster because that seems like something they would do. Like, if they were still in Halo, that absolutely sounds like something they would do. Like, oh, hey, snipe down. You don't like playing with FaZe? Come join the Pioneers. But he uh, he really hated that that uh, changed phase roster where it was uh, where they where they dropped uh, where they dropped Boo Boo and said uh, said Bound wanted to play with Sentinels and uh, when that fell through he didn't really want to go back to playing with C nine and then playing with Phase just kind of didn't work. Let's see. It has has their website updated? No. Falcated or it wasn't bad. It was Renegade. Falcated, Renegade, Snipe Down, and Spartan. Yeah. And what a shock! Another team with Spartan on it just kind of implodes. Like he was already playing with Falcated, so I I can't say the problem was with him. His problem was absolutely with. Like, you can read between the lines and say his problem was absolutely with Renegade and Spartan. Like, that's... Like, let's be honest. That's 100% who the problem was. Because he was already teaming with Falcated. And and Boo Boo's now in a... And Boo Boo Doo Boo, which... I can't tell if that's a great name or a terrible name. I still don't know. Is in a much better spot. He, he seems to be... Like, he's not even on a partner team anymore. And he seems to be much happier. He's, he's with G1 now. And I think they'll end up doing better at Orlando than FaZe will because they're not going to have time to... They they barely have time to find any replacement, let alone a replacement of Snipedown's caliber. <laughs> so they're going to... I mean, they, like, they have Nick, but, like, the scrims have not been going well. <laughs> so I could see FaZe kind of... I could see FaZe kind of bombing out at Orlando. Space Station, on the other hand... <laughs> Those boys just got way better and they went out and uh, they went out and signed the former Pittsburgh Knights roster and, you know, anything to get Schittsburg out of my favorite scene. Like, especially a team that's owned directly by the Steelers. Like, good. Get get them out of here. Like, they, they can keep the same colors, but now they're not. Now they don't have that stench on them. 
and uh, you know, just just flush my chances of of ever getting a job in Pittsburgh further down the toilet than they already were. I I literally called it Schittsburg, like, <laughs> and I just said it again. <laughs> God, I I really never want to get a job in that city, but I'm fine with that. I I would never apply there anyway. But yeah, that's that's a big pickup because uh, the the literal champions of Mexico, because Mexico is its own separate region in Halo from from North America. Like, I don't get why Mexico is its own region when North America and Latin America are also regions. Like North America and Latam are both Halo infinite regions. Why is Mexico separate from both of them? Like, I get Latin America is technically South America, and Mexico would be playing on absolutely awful ping trying to play against the team in Argentina. But still. Like, you know, a team an entire continent away. Like, they'd get absolutely awful ping. Like, Brazil is a separate region from the rest of South America, and it's not just because of language. Like, it's because Brazil's so freaking big. So I could I could see why like you separate Mexico, especially when you have a lot of Canadian players. Like I kind of get why you, se- you separate Mexico, but it still feels weird that like they are their own region. I think Central America is part of it, but like Central American esports have not taken off yet, so it's fine. But yeah, that that SSG roster just got a lot better, like a lot better, <laughs> and. uh they, they are now technically a Mexican team. Like, they will now complete in HCX Mexico as a partnered org. Which, good. Get some, get some more regional representation. Because right now, right now we have North America. That's about it. Because Fnatic is a North American roster. And so is G2. Like, Na'Vi is the only European org with a European roster. And they suck. Like, there are nine partnered teams. Before this, eight of them were North American. Now seven of them are North American, one of them is Mexican. And one is European. Still no love for for ANZ. No love for ANZ at all. Which kind of sucks, because that's actually a good esports region. Just no love for ANZ orgs. I know they're not great at Halo, but still. But now, I want to talk about the actual game, because Forge looks like it's already done. They just haven't completely rolled it out yet. Like, a bunch of people got access to it through through hacking and data mining. Like, But 343 doesn't really seem to care, which is good. Step in the right direction. It's like, how very bungee of you, 343. Um... Finally acting like Bungie, because, you know, most of your staff are just former Bungie employees now. (laughs) Including Joe Staten. I'm glad Joe Staten's back on board. He has nothing to do with Forge. Like, he's a story guy, but my God, that man can write a good story. Like, if, if there are campaign DLCs, which I hope there will be, I'm glad he is in the writer's room. But Forge... Forge is what I'm really hyped for now because, like, 
the creations just get more insane every day. Like I thought the guy behind Infinite Forges creating the upside down on recharge was cool. And created like a full on forerunner cave on Catalyst was cool. Now and like and then I saw the functional ATAT and ATST. Well, ATST first, because it's smaller. All-terrain scout transport, all-terrain armor transport. Yeah, the, the ST is smaller. The the ATST, and now someone has made a functional ATAT, which is even more terrifying. Because, <laughs> like, sure, a, a wasp could probably bring them down, because snow speeders could, but still. Like, the idea of a functional Star Wars vehicle in my Halo map is a little scary. Because, like, the power scaling's a little different, despite the fact that Halo is very Star Wars. Like, they even beat Star Wars to the punch on the Seven Samurai Magnificent Seven-inspired prequel. <laughs> Halo Reach beat Rogue One by six years. Halo Reach beat Rogue One to market by six years. And yet they are exactly the same story. It's just Cortana versus Death Star plans. Like, get Cortana to the Pillar of Autumn versus get Death Star plans to the Tantive Four. <laughs> same story. And, you know, everyone died in the process. Spoilers for, like, once I said Seven Samurai, Magnificent Seven inspired, like, those movies are almost 100 years old. They are almost as old as the medium of movie. If you don't know, everyone dies in the end. Like, sorry, spoiler moratorium is up. And honestly, spoiler moratorium is up on Reach and Rogue One too. It's been si it's been 12 and 6 years respectively. But yeah, we got um we got some cool stuff. And then and then people took it to another level. Like a full-on one-to-one recreation of Guardian from Halo 3, which uh, was one of the was one of the best Halo 3 maps. It was really small, but that's what made it fun. And like painstakingly recreated. It'll feel a little bit smaller because it's, you know, on the Halo 3 scale and you move a little bit faster in Infinite, especially with, you know, the grapple shot and sprinting, both of which were not things in Halo 3. So, uh, it'll feel a little weird because I think people calculated it. Movement speed is on average about 40% faster in Infinite than it was in Halo 3. So, uh... Yeah, that, that map will play a little weird, but I don't really care. It's Guardian. And, like, this guy was so good at Forge, he'll be able to scale it up a little bit to account for Infinite's faster movement. I'm almost sure of it. Like, once people playtest it and say, hey, this map's too small now, he'll probably just scale everything up really quick. It'll probably take him, like, a couple hours. Just scale everything 40% bigger. And boom, you, you've got a perfectly good Guardian for Halo Infinite. And also, some guy made Zarya's ult? Like, turned a hard light fusion coil 
into a full-on Zarya alt from Overwatch? Like, you yeet the thing, and it spawns a, uh, like, what's her alt name? Grav Surge. Uh, Graviton Surge. Just a big ball of gravity energy that sucks everyone in. Everyone and everything in. So, now we've got Overwatch abilities in Halo, because, sure. And I think 343 is making this an actual equipment thing? With, like, a gravity pulse? It doesn't look as strong as Zarya's ult, which is good. Because, um... That would not be great. Like, I feel like that would only work in big team. Because... <laughs> Zarya's ultimate is definitely meant for the game it's in. It's definitely meant for a hero shooter. It's, it is not meant for a standard arena shooter like Halo. But the big one, the big one that I've seen so far, I, I want to give this guy credit because it was absolutely insane. Uh, Red Nomster literally just made Andy's room from Toy Story. And it looks hilarious because everything is massive. So it makes your it makes your Spartan look to be about the size of Woody and Buzz. So that's really cool and I can't wait to play it. And yeah, we're going to end the show on that note that I'm just really hyped for Forge. So, because uh, I won't be able to make anything this cool. I'm not that good at Forge, and I don't have the patience for that. But I can't wait to play around on it. Like, just make a giant sandbox for for me and my Halo-playing friends to play around on. Um, there will probably be sabers. <laughs> no matter how totally not at all ideal for normal-sized Halo maps they are, they're still fun. Because they're really fast and they're spaceship fighter jets. Like they're they're fighter jets that require a rocket to launch. Like they're really cool. That was one of the best missions in Halo Reach, which was an all-around really good game. So yeah. I I'm hyped for Forge. And hopefully it comes out soon. Like 343, I just gave you a lot of praise. You gotta be better at communicating with your player base. So yeah, that, that's where we're going to end the show. Hope you all enjoyed. Hope you'll enjoy college football this weekend or the LCS playoffs, if that's more your jam. But uh, hope you all enjoy the rest of your week. Talk to you guys next Wednesday.